Welcome back to Onboard and Sharing. Today we have an interesting topic with Sally. Sally has an incredible background in a number of different fields as a social worker, ex-doula, childbirth educator, counsellor, mentor, trainer and more. And in this episode specifically, we spoke about trauma. We hope that you get some tips that you can either work through yourself or help someone in your circle. Awesome. Well, let's let's maybe jump into that then in terms of, so you move, but why did you actually become a trauma counsellor? Well, trauma counselling is just part of what I do. Okay. Um, it is a big part of what I do now. When I first did trauma training though I was like a brand new graduate um long long ago in the days where we we really only acknowledged big traumas as as trauma um whereas now we acknowledge all little little events that can also be hugely traumatizing um and then how did I get into the birth traumas maybe you want to know the perinatal the that sort of this time of people's lives where they're wanting to have babies or having babies or not managing to have babies. Um, and I was, a, I was a doula. I was supporting couples as a doula, oh, as a professional wow. childbirth companion. And one of my births was that that little baby was born still. And it was a massive, massive shock to my entire world, never mind the couple's world. And I there realized how traumatizing an experience like that is, coupled with the loss that that is. And that actually cut, catapulted me into, into, yeah, into perinatal loss and birth trauma. Wow. How special is that? Yeah. Sure. That is unbelievable. That is so <laughs> special. You're such a special human being. And especially that you've gone through the whole watching birth and then deciding that there's a hole to, to fill. And it's, it's stunning. Stunning, stunning, stunning. <laughs> well, is that in, I think in, it's an important part of it, you know. Yeah, no, yeah sure. definitely. I, but the, you, sometimes people have a great pregnancy and then, there's something that actually is traumatizing that they actually can't verbalize because they've got a perfect child that's born and they, they feel like they can't say mm -hmm. that they're not feeling great and that mm -hmm. maybe having her, the cervical checks was traumatizing for them or whatever, you know. I mean, it's... Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's or it a brings very... up something from long ago that they're not even necessarily thinking about. 100%. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. But for, for you as a professional that now helps people in like deal with these these traumas, how do you sort of stop yourself from sort of getting into that spiral and keeping yourself up and light and happy and happy and those <laughs> sorts of things um, when you're dealing with these kinds of heavy subjects? Oh, it's such a big question. I don't know. Do I manage to do that? Um you know, I also go there. I also have my own experience with, mm. with anybody that I am I'm supporting. For a moment, I go into their world. But I think I need to remember it's not my world. It's their world. And they're coming to me for support in their world. And it's not fair for me to hijack yeah. their process and make it about me or for me to drown in it or get lost. I think that's sometimes the benefit of going to a professional is that we're trained. Yeah. This is our training. This is what we've learned to do. Whereas maybe you're asking too much from a friend or a mom or a sister or just, you know, just anybody. So, yeah, I mean, it's, that's the balance, isn't it? To be there and empathic, but not, not get lost in it. Yeah. And I'm very good at taking care of myself. I must be honest. I journal. I walk. I do my yoga. I have a very, I have supervision where I can go and talk to, to another professional and debrief. Yeah. So I am very good at looking after me, which means it makes me available to help look after other people. Absolutely. And, and did you, was that, did you learn that off the bat or were you coached to do that? 
well, you get burnt out and then you learn it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it's true. It is true because sometimes we forget that we, we, we need to make ourselves a priority. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, when you and I were emailing, you mentioned that there's different types of traumas in terms of not just a stillbirth, but there's the different types. Do you want to elaborate on that just so that we don't miss anything? Because I know that you you wanted to ca- cover that. So this is a massive topic, what, you, sure. <laughs> what you're talking about. Yes. So maybe we can just clarify what is your intention in us having this conversation? Because who are we talking to? Because it's so different depending on who you're talking to and why you're talking. Absolutely. So right now, we don't know who this podcast is for. We don't know if we're going to end up with a miscarriage or not. We don't know if we're going to end up, we don't know who's had a miscarriage or had a stillbirth. So it's it's a difficult topic. And I, I, like you said, it's quite a broad topic, but I kind of wanting to just put a blanket over it so that people can understand that they're not alone and that's kind of my main Mm. message is just you're not alone and that there's someone like you who's this beautiful bright person that can actually lead them down Mm. a a a more like better path and give you tools and whatnot they don't have to do it alone that's the main yeah main message yeah yeah that's such a good message that you're not alone you're not the only person this has happened to and you're not alone in finding your way through it and yet if you're talking about loss you are alone yes it's it's both of it's both of those you're alone and you're not alone and and straddling those two worlds so yeah I'm mindful that you guys haven't been there yet and then that's really scary to talk about these sorts of topics when you're not even there yet, because usually we don't, you know, we deal with that when we get there. It's a bit mm. like talking about sex to a virgin. You just, you know, what's the point? You can't <laughs> oh, you, you, you haven't met my mom. <laughs> we were taught long before so that you were prepared. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I guess, the intention about talking about it before it's happened to you is to be prepared. That's, that's the hope that should this, unimaginably painful and difficult thing happen to you, you'll know how to deal with it. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, nothing in the whole world is going to prepare you for it. Mm. I'm okay. sure. Yeah. yeah. And, that's, and that's part of it. Um, you know, when it does happen, it's a false idea that we will be prepared. We can, we can show up. We can gather tools. We can make resolutions about how we'll show up in, it, in anything that happens, whether that's a healthy, normal pregnancy or, or complications or losses. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Mother Nature gets you pregnant and then that's that. You kind of do with the ride. If you think about it too long, you're not going to do it because then it gets too scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really difficult for me in a way to talk to to people who haven't experienced it, who, haven't, who aren't even pregnant yet about these yeah. really difficult things. Because in a way, we actually protect ourselves by not thinking about it. Yeah. It's not going to happen to me is the typical protection. Mm. Um, and yet it can. And it can happen to your friends. And it's a funny one that people only talk about it to people who are able to listen or who've gone through it themselves. Mm. So you guys have put yourselves in the category of able to listen, which is very, very powerful. I wish more people were there. It would make it a less lonely, stereotyped, insensitive, commented um, experience. I know I'm completely off. What was your question? (laughs) (laughs) It was just, uh, you were just mentioning um, that there's different types of loss and different types of... Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So, so many just, just in, I mean, there's losses throughout. We have little losses from when we little and you lose your first hamster or goldfish or, or puppy. Okay. Um, then you can have bigger ones where your parents split up or a grandparent dies, or these are all losses. 
Mm. And when you one day have a pregnancy loss, maybe you don't, but if you do, they build up on previous losses. Okay. So the pregnancy losses that I that I work with with people is miscarriages, which is incredibly, credibly common. Mm. Something like a quarter of people, quarter of pregnancies will end in miscarriage. Sure. Um, and that can be really, really devastating for women because from the moment you fall pregnant, that's it. It's you entertain it. It's women do the math, boy. They're going to be so old when that kid is 21 and it's the birth is planned and the ages and it's all, it's all there. So you're losing all of that. Mm. When, a, when, when a baby isn't born for whatever reason, at whatever stage. Um, people who are doing fertility treatments can have many losses along the way. Never mind the loss of being able to fall pregnant easily mm. and normally. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's super complicated, this, this concept of loss. Um, and then there can be stillbirths along the way. So the baby can pass away at any time during the, during the pregnancy. And then babies can be born still um, or pass away after, after birth as well for for you know, any number of reasons. Maybe the baby's born too early. Maybe there's complications. Mm. Hard. Absolutely. Does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah. It does. And I know this is a very hip, heavy topic. It's not one where um, the little um, dwarf happy is going to be in it a lot. But um, no. I, think the, I think also one of the ma main reasons why I'm super conscious of this is because I've had friends who've had miscarriages um, I've had a friend who lost her baby the day after her wedding um, I've had a friend who was pregnant one day and literally the, like she felt funny the one day the next day she wasn't pregnant and how do you deal with that and then I've had um, family who had um, their son and brought their son up and he passed away after three uh, two years um, so I mean there's it's not a very easy topic and I think one of the things is just I want to make sure that that the stigma of being shameful is taken away because how do you as a community so I think as a community how can people if you know that that person's other had a miscarriage I mean you name the loss I mean we don't need to run through the loss but if they've had a loss how do you as a community help the the couple as well as the mom not feel so shameful that one, it's their fault or the environment. I mean, like the environment is probably one of the hardest things. I mean, if your kid gets run over by a car, by a drunk driver, you've had absolutely no control over that. But how do you as a community support that person and not, and how do you not say the wrong thing, but be the strong person in their mm -hmm. lives? I think that's what everybody wonders is how, what is the right thing to say and how can you be there for them? Um, yeah, no matter what the, the different thing that they're going through. So I think a lot of people would struggle with that, I think, well, in my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love the way you said that, Taz. Um, the acknowledging that it's not your fault. Because mm -hmm. that's where the shame often comes in, is the misguided th thought that we're in control. Um, so therefore we're to blame. We live in a strange society of cause and effect. So we're mm -hmm. convinced if something's gone wrong, somebody's to blame. We've moved far away from the days of the Greek, the Greek gods where and Greek people where it's like shit happens. Yeah. <laughs> Tragedies so, happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. just bad luck. Yeah. And I think we could do really well to get back there. Mm. True. Some things just happen and they're crappy and they're shitty and they can't get fixed and nobody is to blame. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that is far closer to the truth than I shouldn't have eaten that sushi or I shouldn't have gone out that day with my child or, you know, I shouldn't have sneezed. Yeah, True. playing back every, every could have, should have, would have. Yeah. You brushed your hair in the sun at 12 o'clock or yeah. whatever. I mean, something yeah. silly. Like you said, it's it's dumb luck. I mean, some I've got a, a family friend of mine that got preeclampsia at seven, no, 
it was six or seven months into their pregnancy and the baby had to get born early. I mean, she got stung by a bee. What does that mean that you have to be in a bubble for the rest of your life? Like you can't prepare yourselves for that. It's insane. It's heartbreaking, but it's like you said, it's life. It's and everybody wishes it doesn't happen to them, obviously, but unfortunately it happens to someone. Mm. Yeah. Well, and you just because she has a bee sting doesn't mean it caused the preeclampsia because yeah. it's not bee stings that cause preeclampsia. High yeah. blood pressure. 100%. But that's what we do. So we've got to be very careful about these brains of ours because these brains of ours want a cause. They want a reason. We do not like uncertainty. It makes us feel very unhappy. So we create certainty by coming up with plausible stories. And if we can't find a plausible story, we'll make one up generally to blame the self. Extremely unhelpful. Yeah. So stopping the blame, shame game, you know, it's like, it's just sad. These things happen. It's sad. Nobody wanted it. It's really hard to endure, but it doesn't mean anybody is to blame. Mm. I think if you're not playing the blame game, you're much less likely to be uncomfortable with it and feel like you need to fix it. And that is, I think, when people say the wrong thing is an unintentional, they're uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable witnessing your pain. Yeah. So I want it to go away. Mm. So it goes away by me putting a mask on it, coming up with some, what did you call it? Happy dwarf. <laughs> we, we, we want to, we say dumb things in an attempt to, to make it go away. Mm -hmm. yeah. so that you're not so sore, you're not so all over the place, you're not grieving so loudly, showing me how vulnerable I am and that this could happen to me because I don't like that, thank you very much. So you can just yeah. get over it, please. True. Mm. Yeah. I think, it's the, I think from my side, what people can just do is just be there for somebody who needs it and not have any expectation of, what they need to do or what they need to say, but just be there and yes. whether that's presence or sort of just offering a, a shoulder or an ear or whatever, I think that's an important thing um, that people be, can do. Just not to have an empty room or whatever. And yeah. just, I think that's the hardest thing because, I mean, I've said stupid things. I mean, my, my sister-in-law, I said to her something along the lines of like, well, if your, your new child's going to be born around about the same time as you, the, your, the, your son who passed away, maybe he's reincarnated. Worst thing that I could say, but like Chad was like, Kimmy's like, shut up, shut up. But it, it honestly, like I meant it as like such a, well, what if, like in my mind, it's like, well, what if he could come back? What if he could come back? Yes, it won't be the same child and whatever, but what if it is a part of him that's come back? I mean, I, we've, we have very different beliefs, obviously, but it's, it's, and what it was, it was filling the gap. It was filling the silence. And that's why I said it, because I, there was silence and mm. we get uncomfortable in the silence. And yeah. I think that's where people start saying things they shouldn't say me being one of them <laughs> all of us and it's beautiful that you can own that Taz and come back another day okay and a lot of people will say it's the things that are not said that are more painful than the mistakes that are said the people yeah. who just avoid you can't face you anymore turn around don't pick up your calls don't call anymore that's really really painful where you feel ostracized so yeah people say the wrong things at least they tried at least they were there so I've got a question now, just saying that. So you said that like sometimes people will avoid. So if you lost a child and you and I were very close and I experienced that loss with you, that like they almost feel. So if I was feeling shameful for crying in front of you because you're going through so much more, how do you how do you deal with that? But like I want to be there by you, but at the same time I'm going to bore my eyeballs out because I can see your pain and I'm experiencing pain. Beautiful question. Nice awareness. Okay. So there's the circles in grief and, and trauma. So if you imagine in the middle of the circle is the person who's experienced it. Okay. And if it's a couple, then it's them. So mm -hmm. it's like your mom and dad close together. If there's other children, they're also in that circle. Okay. 
Then you've got the next circle of your closest people that are next to you. Might be your parents, might be your siblings, okay? Very close people. Then the next circle, maybe your friends are in there, cousins, okay? And the next circle, maybe your colleagues are in there. I mean, everybody's circles will be different, mm. okay? And right out there, you've got your professionals and the priests and in, any other people. So you've got these circles, okay? So when somebody has had a prof profound loss or big change, even becoming a new parent maybe, what we do is put that person in the middle of the circle and we support in, okay, and we dump out. So we vent, we grieve, we dump, we bitch, we cry oh, hysterically yeah. Yeah. out. So this yeah. center person can do it with anybody. Mm. okay but and they receive support from everybody so the next so your sister would have been in the middle one and you're in the next one your job is not to grieve with her your job is to find somebody in your circle or next out and next out and next out does that make sense yeah oh, it does absolutely yeah. yeah so the grieving person has to take their place and we find that hard to receive the help and the support from people because you're due it. Mm. You're due people just sitting with you, like you said, or bringing you a meal or, you know, helping with practical stuff in the house. Mm. Um, so take that position. And then, yeah, it's, does that make sense? It does, yeah, it does yeah. absolutely. But then if I were to, you were in that center, and if I were to come and you just say something that just triggers my emotion, like what is the right response to help that person? And like the word move forward, obviously like is, it, it can be quite sensitive, but how do you help them move forward in their, in their loss? So it's not your job to help them to move forward in their loss. That's a fair point. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> okay. You you say that because you're uncomfortable. Yeah. So you need to get comfortable with your own mm -hmm. side of it in your circle. Yeah. Okay. So true. So grief is so unique. Everybody grieves differently. Everybody processes this differently at different paces in different ways. Some people are super sentimental and rituals. Me, I'm candles and the whole shebang. For other people, that's like, meh, I don't want any of that. Um, couples, a lot of couples fall out because they grieve differently mm. at different paces and in different ways. If we can make space for people to have their own process at their own pace and tolerate it, grief needs to be bared. You know the word bear? We don't really mm. use that word so mm. much anymore. But that is what you do. You endure grief. And you endure your own uncomfortableness too with somebody who is grieving, whose entire life just got shattered. Yeah. Their dreams, their hopes, their wishes, themselves as they knew them, all their future, all gone. Poof. In a moment. And with pregnancy loss and children loss, it's especially difficult because it's so private. You're the only one who knows the baby. Okay. More, I mean, with children, at least we know the other one. Yeah. It's yeah. a totally out of order death. We expect you to die when you're 95. We don't expect you to die when you're two. Mm. Yeah. So we need to open that one too, because people do die mm. throughout. Um. I get sidetracked. Terrible. It's okay. It's perfect. <laughs> but I think one of the the things is how do you know or how do you see signs that someone is in trauma or needing trauma counseling? It is so hard to watch somebody you love in pain. It is it is really, really, really hard. So how would you take a referral? Because it's, it can sound like a criticism. Somebody says, I really think you need to see somebody. That sounds like, oh, gee, great. So they think, you know, they know exactly what I'm going through. And yeah. they think I'm now screwing it up. I don't even know how to do this properly. 
So true, yeah. Um, so things like finding resources and saying how they've helped you or helped somebody else you know. And then it's their choice whether they want to take it or not. Yeah, good point. Very, very yeah. good so point. When you're in trauma and grief, your ability to think is extremely limited because mm. you're in survival mode. It's a kind of thing. So the most obvious things like to eat, mm. nutritious food, yeah. can be Overwhelmed. way, way yeah. completely out of the equation. Yeah. So if you're in that non-judgmental supportive space, you can possibly offer that as an option i think it's about doing it respectfully mm. yeah um you know uh google is wonderful in this department if you google how do i support a friend who is grieving and find yourself a good reputable uh, website and there are many mm. um you will get all the answers there of the things to say and what not to say and how to refer a friend um they're there there's a place for googling this stuff yeah that's interesting yeah i wouldn't have thought of that because sometimes it's like if you google what's wrong with your toe it's cancer so i mean this yeah. is something good that like who knew google yeah. could actually find something useful <laughs> there are some really really good websites out there there are even some good south african ones but the the uk ones are good the australia excellent um there are good grief there are there are many very good websites that will give you help and support and then to guide somebody in that in that direction when they are ready I think to say when you are ready or if you want um you know I've heard about yeah um just planting seeds basically yeah planting seeds but it is their process and it's their journey and can you tolerate and stand alongside them mm -hmm. um we, we talk now about companioning. So the way through grief is companioning. So can you companion next to somebody? You're not the expert telling them what to yeah. do. You're with them. Sure. Finding their way through the mud and the dark days and the shame and the trauma and the overwhelm and the profound sadness, um, the uncertainty. Mm. Yeah. I think it also people's personality types can also play a, a role in how they deal with these things. Cause my it, sort of first go-to reaction for all kinds of things, like if a family member says, Oh, I've got gout or whatever, um, I'm immediately on my phone getting them the resources and sending it to them, but that's not always the right way to do it. Saying that the, what you're doing now is wrong. Uh, this is the way to do it. Whereas, I've started to take a, a different approach and said, this information has helped me and helped other people. So have a look at it when, if it resonates with you. So I think that's a, a, a really, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a good approach to, to go that way. Um, yeah. And just mm -hmm. being, being mindful of the way you think and the way you do things um, is important, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. It's like, what it, yeah. What is your reason for doing this? Is because you're uncomfortable and you yeah. want to, to make them stop or because you have sat there with them and you think there's mm. more? Yeah. Oh, that's a, a very way, a, a very good screen to run it through first before verbalizing. <laughs> like me, I would just blurt out. <laughs> have a filter. <laughs> True. Yeah. And so, it's okay to say, I'm sorry this has happened to you. I'm sorry you're going through this. Mm. I don't know what to say. I can't imagine what you're going through. Mm. Yeah. I think being authentic is also worth a lot. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of fakeness out there mm. right now. And it's easy, I think, to fall into that trap. And it's also mm. so hard because you can say anything. So, I mean, like when my, when my dad passed away, like people saying, I'm sorry for your loss irritated me so so bad i'm like really what are you sorry about what but that's my burden it's not necessarily that they came across as um insensitive, insensitive or like i took offense because i chose to take offense rather than you know what i mean like not everybody but it's just at some point after you hear it so many times like especially at funerals 
you just get to a point where you're just like, say it one more time. <laughs> say it one more time because you're all going to die. <laughs> um, what, what would be some of the first couple steps that you would take somebody through that uh, has been or is experiencing a loss of any type? Um, phew, to give them space okay. to just come to terms with it. You know, initially it's just a shock. It's yeah. an incredible shock on the system and it's a not understandable one. Yeah. It's like, where do people go when they die? Yeah. Okay. So we hop to reincarnation in case that's the thing, but we don't know for certain. We yeah. don't know. We can't, I think Mary Poppins had it right. You know, the place where lost things go. Have you seen the second Mary Poppins? Very good. I think I actually remember yeah. it. Uh, I remember. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Um, she deals beautifully with loss in the second, <laughs> in the second one. Um, so it's it's the shock stage. So it's just tending to the body, keeping them warm, keeping them comfortable, getting them food, um, looking after basic needs. Um, there's all the practical stuff that people might need help with, arranging funerals. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on and mm. because they they are in such a small shock stage of not being able to think this can be a really useful place for resources like to have somebody who can come in who can take photos who can take mementos who can just put those things in place because the couple who's going through this is not going to think about this so bringing in somebody can be a really beautiful gift mm. um somebody who knows how to do this and they'll guide the whole system. Um, and then it's a process, I think, of normalizing. This is hard. It's a long process. Yeah. Giving permission to people to take as long as they need without the expectations of them is please get back to normal. Yeah. Never, ever going to happen again. True. Gone. Even if it's three years, like, aren't you over it yet? Kind of like, I'm not saying, you know what I no. mean? Like, like, if someone's listening to this, they're just like, that is the worst. I yeah. know, I know it's the worst you could say. <laughs> but sometimes people think it. They're like, well, aren't they over it yet? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's what we're thinking mm. because we knew, see, it's a trauma for us as well because we lost our person. You yeah. lost your person as you knew them, excited, happy for a baby you know, enjoying life, doing life, and now they're gone. Mm. So it's a loss for you too, because your person's not coming back. And when you say, are you over it? You're just wishing they would come back. Yeah. So we can have it the way we used to have it. But that's not possible. What you have to do is find a new relationship mm. on the other side of this thing. Start again. Both that's a good of point. Um, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the picture. Um, I think it was on BBC Drew at first. If you take a piece of paper and you draw a circle and then that's your life and you're doing life and life's good and you've got your goals and your plans and everything happens. And then you have grief and a loss, a big loss. And then they draw a picture throughout and it's kind of covered and tainted and influenced and affected every single part of that circle. Mm is what's happened to somebody who's had a big loss, okay? Every part. Little loss affects little parts. Big loss affects the whole lot, okay? Yeah. We used to think that what happens as they get over it is that that gets smaller. Mm. We now know that's not what happens at all. That pretty much stays. What happens is you draw another circle around it, and they start a new life, and they integrate, what happened and they move into new life and they go back into the grief and what happened and they go into new life. And so slowly but surely you build a new life with new memories, with your new you, with new experiences. And that thing that happened, that loss remains a part of you forever, but it no longer dominates every minute of every day and every moment. Mm. Yeah. So you learn to live with it, alongside it, despite it. Yeah. You never get over it. Yeah. You live with it. It adds to the complex tapestry of life. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a very good drawing or a drawing. It's a very good picture that you 
that you put into my mind because a lot of times people still look normal like after a year or whatever they look normal but it doesn't mean that the loss disappears or like my sister-in-law getting having a new child and um it doesn't make losing her child easier it doesn't replace her child it's yeah it's a it, it, loss and grief is a very big topic yeah um i wanted to ask you you we brought it up a little bit in the beginning of what are some things that people can do just the average person um to stay or strengthen their their mental toughness or increase their mental toughness i i guess it i, I would assume it's your general mental toughness can help your coping with grief as well but i'm sure there's specifics around um sort of creating mental toughness around that and you don't want to be like a an army sergeant like dead to the world kind of thing but i'm um, just having tools and strengths um in terms of dealing with those kinds of things of life oh that's so important and you know we get taught all the wrong stuff at school yeah we get taught maths and rubbish that we don't need to learn i'm not saying maths is rubbish but we get taught too much yeah. stuff <laughs> we this is the stuff we should be learning at school yeah um how to understand our emotions how to communicate with other people how to have this toughness um how to have strength and staying power mm-hmm. and you know these are qualities in life that one really needs how to how to endure how to be courageous how to show up even when it's not not nice mm. so i think we can live our lives from that way if we living if we living our lives where what is important is stuff and controlling things then when we lose that it's really really hard mm. that illusion of control we we don't really actually have much control Yeah. you know it's very much by the grace of god to go i so a priorities thing maybe you know really knowing what is it that you value what is important to you what a lot of people who have gone through profound loss will tell you is that it's shaken up their worlds to the point that they really clear what's important to them mm. so time with family sitting down for dinner becomes really really important to you because you yeah. know it can be gone whereas when you're living in the illusion of ah it will be here tomorrow then we don't really take those things as important mm-hmm. um it's that finding new meaning piece that yeah. that people do um so i think it's just generally how you how you live your life will will prepare you for any hardships that are coming life is filled with hardships Yeah. The memo of your generation is to be happy. <laughs> right? And your kids are going to be happy. Man is that a lousy memo because it's not possible. Mm. You know, we we need to update this. Yeah. This that it's not about that. It's a, it's about maybe getting these stronger characteristics, being good people, being I don't know. I think you we have to figure this out. What is it that we want post covid? Cuz mm. being happy lousy because then when something happens to you really really bad or difficult now you're failing completely on the happy memo but you're excelling on the growth memo mm. yeah it's just kind of like you have the how, potential yeah so it's kind of like how people say success isn't a destination it's a journey and happiness can be the same thing mm. um you can find happiness in the journey rather than always striving for and end goal which maybe something you only reach when you on your deathbed or when you've lived a full life but to find happiness and gratitude in the the daily small things mm. of i've come home i've got a lights on and a roof and people around me and those kinds of things um those like you were mentioning just to um sort of find gratitude in those small things and to see what's important 
Yeah. And mm. I think that, like you said, the illusion of our generation, you're 100% right. I, like when you said that, I literally remembered a picture, literally, <laughs> I remember a picture that I saw where it shows a guy that climbs a mountain and it says today's success, um, image of success, rather than someone who went into a massive valley valley like the valley of death kind of thing and actually got themselves out of it because that's actually success because you just see the person at the top of the mountain you have no idea the valley that they've had to go through and you're right I think that I think my generation and I and I think the reason why we're going through is just to like prepare me mentally because I've got controlling issues (laughs) um I know I know you just said like there's no real control like but (laughs) (laughs) I've got controlling over my control aspect. (laughs) Yeah. So what can you control? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what we need to focus on because we can work with ourselves. We can focus on our self-development and our growth, birthing from within. Mm. Yeah. Becoming more of yourself, really getting to know yourself, exploring all your beliefs that you were given by your parents, by your society, by your culture, you know, and really becoming your best self. This you can do. Mm-hmm. You can heal your own wounds. This you can do. This you have control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can show up. You know, you might need to sort some stuff out and acquire skills to be able to show up, but this you can do. Mm-hmm. Working with you, you can do. But we don't. We try to control everything out there. Yeah. And that you can't control. And I think a lot of the times we also um, don't want to look in the mirror. And I think that's one of the, the things that you go through loss is sometimes you don't want to see who you are with this loss. And that the, the picture you created is that th- that circle is now that circle is now you and it's a new you. And are you prepared to be that person be that person i mean we, we obviously speaking from like no experience i mean i've lost a father i've like had a bit of trauma but i mean in terms of losing a baby from that you grew with inside you i'm sure is another level completely but i mean it's who are you now without that child who are you now without that 21 year timeline and it's a very mm. it's a very hard mirror to look into it's mm. very very hard and you're going to have it even if you've got a perfectly healthy baby that's there yeah. and you're becoming a parent, you also got it. Mm. Because the old you, the virgin who walked into the slot, is also gone. Yeah, yeah. true. The only true. You become, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you can embrace it and acknowledge it or you can fight it. Yeah, true. Yeah. So how do you, if you are, if we had a loss, and we were going through the fear, the guilt. How, how do you help a couple? Because they're grieving, there's such a fine line between, between helping each other and blaming each other. So, so I mean, working together as a couple going down the same road. Kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, like, you shouldn't have fed me sushi kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and like you say, it might not be actually the sushi was the 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 reason it might not have been it it could have been like three weeks ago um you got a bug that somehow was a rare bug and it caused you to have a miscarriage i don't know more way more than half the time i think it's like 60 percent of the time they have no idea what causes it okay so like don't even go there Mm -hmm. yeah so blame game yeah unhelpful There is a roaring uh, abortion, uh, what do you call it? Tr- um, Statistics. Well, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's lots and lots of people who have to go for terminations and abortions, um, legal and illegal. Why? Because it's not so easy to get rid of a baby. Mm. Okay. So a little bit of sushi doesn't generally do the trick. Mm. Yeah. And neither does most of the stuff we think about. So, like, you need, there's some fact checks quite important. Yeah. Um, You know, 
just these these things these things happen. Mm-hmm. So what would I do to support a couple? I think it very much depends on the couple and where they're at and what they've gone through. Um, listening, mm-hmm. just really, really, really listening. Because where else do they get somebody who's just going to listen without having to wanting to tell their own story or, or help them to get over it? True. Um, so the place, the place of really, really listening. Um, a lot of normalizing. So explaining to people um, whatever's happening for them, whether that's physical stuff, struggling to sleep, nightmares. Um, I mean, there can be any number of feeling out of your body, feeling all foggy brained. There's a lot of physical stuff that goes on because trauma happens in the body. Loss happens in the body. So we've got to, got to take the body with. So some education pieces around what's going on there. And then ways to tend to the body that work for you. Um, uh, yeah, explaining the, the process. This is a long, long process. It's not going to go away yeah. Yeah. tomorrow quickly because you drink the right pill. There isn't really a pill for grief. Um, you know, ways to... Way so each person has to find ways to cope with it. So acknowledging the loss is is also really really important. Having physical things that make it real for you, um, having a graveside, uh, giving the baby a name, um, so, uh, photos, mementos, candles, things that make it real for you, um, so that you can acknowledge your loss. And you'll do that. And eventually, as time and years go by, you'll need to do it less as you integrate this loss into life, into the new you. Um, but it's, it's in that order. It lets you go. You don't let it go. Mm. Um, finding the right people that, that can support you in the way that you need. So protecting, protecting yourself. The people who can't cope with you anymore will have to go. Will yeah. fall away. More losses. Yeah. Um, in in my loss group, I, at one stage I was running a loss group for moms. It was really powerful. That's one piece of advice I would give: is if you can get a group of other women who've also gone through this, and I also ran a dads group. So get da- other dads. Mm. Um, together who've gone through this um, with somebody who's going to facilitate it so that you don't go down the blame shame route Mm. okay or the comparing route don't Mm -hmm. compare losses Um, but a place where you really can be heard and you realize how what you're experiencing and thinking is normal the normal part of this process because we haven't normalized grief in our community you're busy doing it Mm. You are busy in this podcast normalizing loss and grief. But there are not many of you out there. So well done. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Getting, getting this conversation going before you're in it. Mm. Um, and hopefully you'll never, ever be in it or know another person who is in it. But if, if you are, just a little bit more preparation and support is helpful. So having other people who've gone through it, who get it, really, really helpful. Um, what else is helpful? You've got to keep eating, um, you know, taking care, taking care of yourself, surviving. For parents who've lost, if they've got other children, it's really, really hard because you've got to keep looking after your children. Your children have lost you. Not only have they lost a sibling, but they've lost you the way they know you because you're now grieving and sad and got your own process. So for parents to own that with children, you know. And how do you, how do parents, so obviously when you have a child and then you lose a child, I mean, we, we know two people that have lost their kids at like nine years old and whatever, and then their children are now dealing with their own loss. How do you... How do you put your own oxygen mask on when you've just lost and now you have to still support your family? Like how in a child that may not know how to grieve. Yeah. How like how do you how do you put yourself first? Because obviously you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before dealing 
with everybody else. Otherwise, you're going to crumble or, like you said, burn out. And that's your, your greatest lesson, you know. Oh, it's really, really tough. Um, it's really tough because your children are in that circle with you. Yeah. So use other people. Okay. You know, bring in grandparents, other mothers, other fathers, siblings. Bring in people. And as the parent, it's kind of your job to be the parent. So, yes, you've got to do your own oxygen mask. Um, but you're also helping your kids. Again, Google, super useful. Yeah. To Google how to different ages and how grief affects different ages so that you can be the person who understands it and can say it to your children. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, there's that shock factor that happens um, after a loss. It's like this numbing. There's not much feeling going on. It's just like it's a WTF, you know. Mm -hmm. Stage. And in that, you actually have a gap to do quite a lot of getting this sort of information and doing this practical stuff. Not everybody, mm. but there can be a little gap there. Yeah. Um, so to Google the different age groups and how do they understand loss and how best to explain it to them um, is a really good idea. I mean, what I would say is from the get-go, don't use funny words. Use accurate factual words. He died. She died. Don't they? He's an angel. Uh, he went to sleep. That just scares children. You tell yeah. me I go to somebody dies when they go to sleep. Well, don't I don't want to go to sleep. Yeah. Um, um, so just to be quite factual, um, tell the truth and only answer the question that the child has. So just what does that child need to know? But tell tell the truth and use proper words. Mm. Um, one of the things that I'd add on to that is um, we were listening to a podcast chat or remember he's the facts guy, but we were listening to a podcast saying before answering a child's question and maybe just because this is about grief um, is like a kid was saying, well, what is heaven or what do you do when you die? Like rather ask them, what do you think? Because you might give them an intergalactical reason. And like you said, you, you scare them because you, them, yeah. yeah, you overwhelm them or you, you try and bring the, or like desensitize it by making it softer rather than what it really is, is that then they have this completely different reality. And then when they grow up, they've got this like subconscious mm. thing inside them, the insecurity that they are going to, like that you're gonna die everyone is dying <laughs> and meanwhile they just wanted to know that like the person is okay and I think that was something that we learned yeah. just mm-hmm. just from that podcast and we actually like had to implement it the next time by just asking a kid we're like whoa I was gonna answer that way differently so I think yeah. it's definitely yeah. Yeah. yeah so you're right you're 100% right so I love that ask Ask the kids and then also just be very clear between what we know and what we believe. Yeah. So we believe in heaven. We believe in angels. These are beliefs we have. These are not facts. Reincarnation is a belief. It's not a fact. Yeah. So just to split them up for children and to assure children it wasn't their fault and they didn't do anything wrong because little children take these things on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, you think it's a sushi and they think it's because they left their toys lying around there. Oh, yeah, true. So, so I don't know if you've ever watched The Shack. No. Okay, so The Shack, I'm going to give you a very quick rundown. But basically, what... Um, it's also a book. It's a book. It's a very... It's a very. It's about grief as well. But um, the father was took his three kids out. His two eldest kids were on a, on a boat on the river and the one daughter stood up. And she was busy distracting the father and something happened and they toppled over and the son got stuck underneath. The father obviously jumped and like ran towards like sorting out an issue right there and then. But in the meantime, his daughter got kidnapped and actually ended up dying. So the siblings then have the guilt of if we hadn't done that, our sister would still be around. So is that also like you having to speak to them about it, ask them questions, but for them that's a def a definite pinpoint of like if I hadn't done that she'd still be around so how do you how do you I mean I don't know if you have the answer but how do you cope with that 
Well, you don't know for certain that if you hadn't done that, that wouldn't have happened. Mm. We don't know. We only know what did happen. Mm. And then we, in our minds, make the other alternatives perfect. Oh, that's such yeah. a good point. Yeah. Um, so we'll take, you know, even people who've passed away are suddenly perfect. Your mm. child yeah. that died was the perfect child. You know, you got to miss all the difficult things. Mm. Um, you never, you you get to be the perfect parent to that child. Mm. Yeah. It is one blessing. You're the perfect parent. You never got to harm it, shout at it, neglect it, be less than perfect. Um, so we romanticize, and it's not always quite accurate. Mm. But we don't know what would have happened. Um, you know, most people are not out there doing malicious things in their lives. Mm. Most people, most of the time, actually have good intentions, and we do lie. Things can go in any number of ways, and we got to fact check. Be careful of romanticizing and saying that you definitely know that this would have happened. Um, guilt, self-blame, it goes hand in hand with, with grief and loss. And sometimes if you can get really lost in that, you need a professional to help hook you out, out of that. Um, because it's unhelpful and often not true. Um, mm. And it's connected with regret, guilt, hard. Mm. To integrate this is hard, hard, hard. For the, the average person, I think this might be more South African-based than international, but um, mm -hmm. what would be some places that people could go that where they need to seek help um, or talk to somebody or something like that. I know with the, the sort of the things that we listen to and stuff, better help is always a, they're not a sponsor by any means right now, but uh, there's like an online place where you can do all kinds of therapy anywhere in the world. Um, do you know of any sources like that or places will, that people could go to find somebody that's sort of suits them and what they're going through. Obviously, that'll be different per person. Um, yes. So, I mean, South Africa has SADAG. So SADAG is the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. They're quite good at giving resources and recommendations. Um, there's a South African app called Panda. That's a new one. That's quite oh, nice for mental okay. health stuff. Okay. Um, and then just to Google for grief counselors. Um, in terms of support groups, you can get help uh, from what's it? Compassionate Friends. They they help. Um, they run support groups for people who have lost by people who have lost. Okay. Oh wow! Okay. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of just about asking. There's nowhere near enough resources, not in the private sector or the public sector um, in, this, in this realm. But, yeah, just to keep looking till you can find somebody. There are doulas, bereavement doulas. Okay. Um, okay. Which, can, which can also be really helpful in terms of connecting people up with resources. Yeah. Perfect. Yay, that is awesome. At least people don't have to feel alone and they've got tools. Places to go. Yeah. Yes. And there's online stuff. So there's Facebook groups, which, of course, as all Facebook groups, you've got to be careful. Yes. Um, you know, make sure that the group makes you feel better, not worse. Mm. Um, and you find it helpful rather than unhelpful. Um, and then there's excellent, excellent online resources. So it is worth it was worth doing some googling on this one. Perfect. Another nice resource I think is uh, Sarswip. So it's triple w dot Sarswip. S A A S W I P P. So South African Association of Social Workers in Private Practice. There's a very nice find a social worker on there, and it's social workers in private practice, and they can be quite good with grief. They're very practical help. Um, and many of them will be have had extra training in bereavement. So that can also be a nice resource. Fabulous. Amazing. That is so, so kind of you. Thank you so much for sharing all the information that you have. We honestly 
Like we we we're changed people. <laughs> oh, oh, my pleasure. I hope I hope your podcast has great success and that your messages and just you two are just awesome and open. And I uh, hope you can help many other people to also find a way to talk about these very difficult topics. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope that you got a lot of value out of Sally. Well, not just Sally, but what she had to share. And just, we love that she was super open to sharing different platforms. And we hope that you're able to get some tools. I know for me, I especially learned that romanticizing how I need to get over something or want something to to end or whatever um, was a very very vital tip for me in my life that I can apply and we hope that you're able to take some tips and do the same in your circle yeah and maybe just take a second to share this with somebody uh, like we mentioned how in the episode um, with somebody that potentially may need it thanks so much see you next time